Hey Bucks fans, make sure you go follow one of our sponsors, Split Ticks. Follow them on Twitter at S-P-L-I-T-T-I-K-S. So what is Split Ticks? Well, you're able to reserve sports, concert, and other event tickets with a small deposit and pay off the rest in a flexible payment plan before your event date. So make sure you take advantage of that. And because you're a listener of the All Things Bucks podcast, you're able to use promo code All Things Buccaneers. Use that promo code and you will get a 10% discount on your purchase. Hey, and remember, go Bucks. Welcome everyone to the All Things Bucks podcast. I am your co-host Corey Hayes. Go and follow me on Twitter at Corey underscore Hayes 407. And it's your co-host CJ. Follow me on Twitter at Corey J863. And on this edition of the podcast, it's the Bengals post-game breakdown. So we're gonna go ahead and hop right into this thing. Yesterday, the Buccaneers took on the Bengals in a crazy, crazy game. Should have never been the situation that it was, but it was that situation. So let me address the elephant in the room right now. Quarterback Jameis Winston went 18 for 35, 276 yards, had one touchdown and four interceptions. Winston was benched. In the third quarter for journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick, who led the team back in the fourth quarter to tie the game against the Bengals. So let me address this right now. Jameis Winston was the first overall pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have invested so much into him that I don't see the Buccaneers getting rid of Jameis Winston. I see Jameis Winston coming back this season. To play some games. Not sure when it is. I think he's just going to sit down a few games. And think about everything that's gone on. Especially the 10 interceptions in the 3.5 games that he has played. I think that Jameis Winston has all the talent in the world. It's just bad decisions that he makes sometimes. When he's trying to thread the needle. And it doesn't work. Ownership has all the faith in the world in Jameis. So do I. I know that Jameis is due for his fifth year option, being twenty almost twenty-one million dollars. The Glazers may be able to pick that up for him and give him another year as this draft class is very, very weak at quarterback, and I don't think that they're ready to rebuild just yet. So, to address something else that's going on on Twitter, all these fans saying that they're glad that he's out, they've been waiting for him to be out, I I do not agree with anything that you say on there, I'm a realist, I, I ride with three, but I ride with the Bucks before I ride with three, so I'm going to be real and say that for you to be sitting, waiting in the wings for him to fail because you've wanted him to fail all along and then to say ha-ha to all of his supporters, I think that's pretty fucked up. And I think that our fan base as a whole needs to fucking do a whole 360 and get their damn head right 
because I'm tired of the bullshit that I'm seeing online all the time. I'm tired of everything that I see from these Fairweather-ass fans talking about, ha-ha, now, now we can go with Fitzmagic. First of all, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been on seven teams in the NFL in his career. There's a reason for that. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the quarterback that we've seen him to be this season so far. Yes, I love the production that Ryan Fitzpatrick has given us, but I think that it will falter throughout the season, and we're just going to see the same old Ryan Fitzpatrick that we've seen on every other team. As for the fans, for you to call out my fandom, because because I posted one thing about James Winston with his jersey, I I do not like that at all. I want to address it right now. I want to say that this team is... The biggest thing that I root for, I'm such a diehard for this fan. I travel to as many games as possible. I spend thousands of dollars on this team. So for you to question my fandom is is not cool. I, um, I also want to throw something out to the Glazers. I'm tired of losing, man. What are you guys doing? This, this is unacceptable. We have the pieces in place. Could it be the coaching? I'm not sure. But I am tired of fucking losing. I am so tired of it. I'm tired of wasting my hard-earned money that I, that I make every two weeks serving in the military just to go and see my team let me down every game that I attend. I am absolutely tired of it. And if they let me down again Sunday against Carolina... I, I have no idea what to say. I think it's time for Dirk to go if that happens because he he can't turn this thing around. That if he can't turn it around after year three, then it's going to be time for a new coach this offseason. And that's all I have to say on this topic. Well, Corey, I definitely wanted to let you get that off your chest. Um, all of us watching the game this past Sunday definitely had mixed emotion, feelings, outrage, Anger, rage for some of us, um, sadness, whatever emotion you want to attach to that game, especially for for Jameis Winston. Now, listen, I'm a Jameis Winston stan. I am for him. You know, that's my quarterback. I ride with Jameis Winston since he was drafted. If the Bucks didn't draft him over Marcus Mariota, I was going to throw a fit because I felt like he was the better quarterback. And at this point, he is the better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. This man is not even throwing for 150 yards or just barely throwing for that uh, with his team. But the performance that Jameis put on this past Sunday, that was rock bottom for the young man. And for him at this time, um, I believe the decision to start Fitzpatrick is the right move. I don't know what it is about Fitzpatrick working in this system right now. But it's clicking for him. Uh, he had the bad first half against Pittsburgh. But you can see in that second half, he picked back up his game. And this system is just working for him. It's just like some players. They get into the right system, and it just works for them. If you put them in someone else's system, it's not going to work out for them. And that's the beauty of sports. That's the beauty of the game is certain things, certain aspects have to come together and work. And right now for Jameis, that's not coming together and working right now. His decision-making has been spotty, and he hasn't looked great handling the offense. He hasn't been able to hit Deshaun since Deshaun has been here. He hit him well, He, he did hit him, hit him one time in the Bengals game he for a 60-yard touchdown. Yesterday. 
And I was like, thank God, because I was so sick and tired of seeing him throw the ball up to him and not hitting this man on a deep ball, especially when he's open. There was actually another play where Deshaun was open, and I believe if that ball, instead of being thrown to the inside, um, it should have been thrown to the outside, and that was the defender. Six. The defender bumped Deshaun a little bit, so Deshaun wanted pass interference. I I agree with you on that. It could have been six there as well. It's just something something with those two is up, and I don't know what it is. I think so too, and I think I think it's actually deeper than on the field because you could tell by Jameis' demeanor. I mean, he was defeated in his press conference. You can tell it in his voice. You could tell it by. It's a his, it's a uh, mental his, game his with him right language. now, and I'm not so sure and what's up really with him. It's a really big mental hurdle he will have to overcome, um, not only to get his starting job back, but once um, you know the season's over with. I know we picked up his fifth year option. I see him staying with the organization at least through next year because it wouldn't hurt the organization. But um, at the same time, I know at this point now they're gonna have to start doing their homework and their research on potential veteran quarterbacks and potential new quarterbacks or if they have the faith in ryan griffin because he actually looked pretty good in the but preseason. so did Jameis. but so again james don't know james looked good in the preseason i said in the previous podcast any quarterback on the roster could run an offense but making the decision that james has made within the offense um throwing 10 interceptions and had a four-game suspension um there's just it's inexcusable um and at this point Ryan Fitzpatrick, by him, you know, being the veteran that he is, having the start that he had to the season, and coming in into that game Sunday and leading us back to have a chance and opportunity to win, you know, that just speaks volumes to him and um, his preparation and that, you know, he handled it like like a, a true professional. So he deserves to be the starter next Sunday. And this is a business. Like, we're we, we, we trying to win games. Like, we're not trying to experiment here. Um, and it hurts that, you know, Jameis is not going to be the guy right now, but it is what it is. <laughs> and, and we just got to have to move forward as a fan base. Again, touching on Corey's point, the fans who are always rooting for this young man to fail, what you're actually doing is rooting for the organization and the team to fail. So if you were that fan looking to wish bad on him as a quarterback, wish bad on him as a professional in his career, you're also wishing bad on this team to fail, and you're not really a real fan of the organization. Because if you were, you would have rooted for his success because the team's success was centered around him being successful. And if he's not successful, we're in a world of mess moving forward and we're rebuilding again. So that's all I have to say about that situation. I would like to go into talking about the game and what happened. Before before we hop into the game real fast, let me let me hop right back into that real real quick. So touch it on that. I heard you say that right now Fitzpatrick gives us the best chance to win. I am going to agree with that statement. As I said before, I'm I'm the biggest Jameis supporter. Um, I think this will benefit Jameis, to be honest. I think that Jameis sitting for a few games to think about his decision-making and better reads is, is going to benefit him in the long term, especially sitting there with a, a veteran in the NFL like Ryan Fitzpatrick who's been around and who knows the game like he knows. So I think that it's going to benefit him in the long run. So 
moving forward, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be our quarterback. And speaking on Ryan Fitzpatrick, his stats when he did come in and take over for Jameis Winston, he was 11 for 15, 194 yards, and two touchdowns. He also had the two-point conversion to Chris Godwin, which tied up the game in the fourth quarter. So when he came in, he, he looked like he was ready to go. He was ready to play, and that's that's what we want out of a backup quarterback. Dirk Cutter said it in his press conference today that many teams don't have good second-string quarterbacks. He also said that, hell, some teams don't even want their first-string quarterbacks, so it's good to have two quarterbacks like Jameis and Ryan Fitzpatrick on your team. So... That is that is a positive out of our quarterback situation. He did, out of those four incompletions, two of them could have been picked off. I'm not going to give him a full pass on it. But other than those two passes, he looked he looked sharp. He looked like he was ready to go. He threw the 73-yard touchdown pass to Mike Evans, which somehow Mike Evans was so wide open that there was not a bangle within wide there was not open. a bangle within 20 <laughs> yards of him. I was sitting there in shock like, "Wow, Fitzpatrick comes in and he throws a bomb to Mike Evans and Jameis couldn't do it like that." Even though Jameis Jameis did deliver on a 29-yard fade to Mike Evans down the sideline. So, I, I don't know what it is about Fitzpatrick. It just seems like when he comes in, there's there's a different playbook, in my opinion. feels like the playbook is a little more open with Fitzpatrick than it is with Jameis, and it worked. I'm not, I'm not necessarily um, in agreement that – I mean, it feels like a different playbook, but I don't – I'm just thinking that Fitzpatrick is just seeing the feel a little bit more different than Jameis uh, within the offense because I believe some of those plays are there. Uh, we see it, especially sometimes with the, the overthrows to Deshaun Jackson. Those plays are there to be made, but where are you placing the ball for those plays to be made? You know, with the Mike Evans deep pass, he was just wide open. Uh, I don't know if he manipulated the safety with his eyes or what ended up happening. Dirk Cutter said it was a, a double move. Drake Kirkpatrick was guarding him, and he thought he was going inside, and he ended up staying on the outside. And then somehow there was no safety in sight, so he he was just wide open. And oh, I was sure. like, um, all right, Mike, do your thing. And I think I think that was Mike Evans' longest touchdown of his career. It might be, and he had about 10 yards of separation just wide open uh, for six there. And it has to do with the sometimes with the ball placement. Uh, Fitzpatrick, his deep ball this season um, has been exceptional. Uh, he's been placing the ball where he's giving the guys an opportunity to to go out there and make a play. So when he's out there on the field, when he came in, I I, I had a little sign of relief because when Jameis was on the field this Sunday, for me, every every drop back, I had to hold my breath. And I I I was a little scared with Jameis playing, to be honest. Um, to be honest, ever. Like, I know some games he'll have those games where, you know, he's a gunslinger quarterback, so he's going to have those games where he throw picks or he tries to thread the needle. But Sunday, I just felt like every play he tried to make, like, it was like a too high pass. Poor Adam Humphreys had to extend. There was something wrong. To, to, he had to extend like he was in Space Jam to go get that pass for that first down. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah, on that four on that fourth down pass, he he thread he thread the needle a little too far for Adam and somehow he came down with that even with the hit. Somehow he came down with it, but it shouldn't have to the receivers don't have to work that hard to get these passes. So, I whatever it is, 
bothering Jameis at this point. I mean, we don't know. It's nothing. We have no clue exactly what's going on. But I hope um, that hurdle, he can get over it and he can get that resolved. And I hope mentally that he can uh, get his mind right to to come back and, you know, just be a professional football player. Because right now it's not looking good. And, you know, but there's games to be played. The game has to continue. The season doesn't stop because Jameis' season has stopped. Exactly. So we have we have nine games to play. So uh, anything can happen with this team. Like I was saying on Twitter, there's people that are we're still um, in it. doubting the team. That's at the three crazy four. thing. I said, we're three and four. Relax. One um, game we're, out. We're one game out of the playoff hunt. So shush. There's, there's nothing to say right now. People feel like... Um, this season is done. It's it's over. And to be honest, with the way that the defense shows up in the second half, I wish they'd show up in the first half like that. But the way they show up in the second half, there's promise there. There is definitely promise with this defense. I completely agree. The defense, they held them to, what, three points in the second half. They got lit up in the first half. But, I mean, you also, it goes hand in hand. You can't give other teams short field and opportunities from takeaways to have another opportunity to score on you. So we got to do better taking care of the ball. I think Fitzpatrick, he does a decent job at doing that. You mentioned a couple of his passes could have been an interception, but right now luck is in his favor, and we have to ride him um, because the offense is responding to his game right now. And also Peyton Barber had another good day on the ground. Uh, He's running tough. He's running hard. And uh, Rojo, he he was out there running a little tough. He he had that slip, and that's where he got hurt, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Ronald Jones is going to be out for a few weeks with a hamstring strain. Um, PB&J will not be a thing for the next few weeks. We don't know how long it is. I, I say he won't be back till December. At, well, at hamstring the, at hamstrings are are definitely a lingering injury, so we want him to get we want him to get healthy. As you mentioned, Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber on the day had 19 rushes for 85 yards and his first rushing touchdown of the season. That's what you need to do. That is balance right there. You run the ball with Peyton Barber and you get results. The Buccaneers had the most net yards in their franchise history against the Bengals and we still lost. But the balance was there. The balance was finally there. Our quarterbacks, yeah, they threw 50 times combined, but the rushing attempts, we still had over 20 rushes. So the balance was finally there. And Peyton Barber, Peyton Barber's being patient in the backfield. He's waiting for his holes to open. And when the hole opens, he just takes off. And the announcers kept talking about it. They said, there goes Peyton Barber with a big gain. Yeah, because he's patient. He knows what he's doing. He may not be a Todd Gurley or a Saquon Barkley, but he's a smart football player and he knows exactly how to hit the holes and when to hit them. He's getting he's getting the tough yards. The tough yards to continue a drive. And that's important because you got to keep the drive. You got to keep our defense off the field. I think it's very interesting and a unique situation of that we've had our best day offensively in franchise history, and we have a quarterback controversy. Like, that's completely out of the ordinary. Like, how, how does this even happen where you're having issues with, you know, your starter not being mentally prepared for games and then you have your backup coming in and and lighting it up um looking like the starter so 
it's it's a it's a very unique situation. I I don't think I've ever seen a team in this type of situation. Uh, of course, it will happen to us because <laughs> you know that it, these things just happen to a team like like us. But it, it it's crazy to think that that's the situation that we're in, and being three and four, we're still in the hunt for the playoffs. We're literally one game back out of a wild card spot. And the next couple games against Carolina and the Washington Redskins. They are huge. Very huge. Huge games games for this team. And they understand that. That's that's exactly why it wasn't no, oh, we're going to see how practice is going to go between Jameis and Fitz. No. These are two huge games that are must-wins for us to have a chance at getting into the playoffs. And you have to, you just have to go with the results that are on the field. It's like taking a test. The results on the field will dictate what the decision will be. And we got to go with Fitzpatrick to lead this offense. Everyone else, they seem energized. Deshaun sending uh, cryptic messages. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else saw that. I saw his, I saw yeah. his Instagram t- post today. Um, I don't know who it's aimed at, if it's aimed at people throwing out reports that he wants to trade, or if it's aimed at Jameis Winston, or if it's just aimed at the Buccaneers organization as a whole. I don't know who it's aimed at. I just think that you need to go out on the field and you need to play. You need to stop doing the talking off the field and do the talking on the field. Completely agree, because you're not out of it. So you got you got to go put in the work. And give this team a chance to make the playoffs. And they have the talent to do so. I hope we can just move forward right now with what we got and win some football games. We need to do that. And hopping back into our offense, Mike Evans had a career game. Six catches for 179 yards and one touchdown. You wanted Mike Evans to get two touchdowns in this game. He ended up with the one touchdown, but the one touchdown was huge for us as it as it benefited the team going down the stretch to try and tie the game and get back into it. So that one touchdown finally benefited the Buccaneers. It had been a long time coming because he had three touchdowns in the first three weeks, and then he fell off for a little bit. Even though he had the yardage, he didn't have the touchdowns. Adam Humphreys had seven catches for 78 yards. Um, He also had that one catch that he pushed to the half-yard line. Looked like a touchdown in real time, but when they slowed it down, his knee was down at the half-yard line. Got to take your advice again and die from the five. (laughs) Hey, you you better die from the five. If you want to score, you better make sure you die from the five. I will say, though, that his uh, his effort on that play, he, he pushed the pile 10 yards to get down to the half-yard line. So, Oh, great effort. Great effort by Adam Humphrey. So much determination in that effort by Adam Humphrey. So shout-out to him for, yeah. For being so small, for being so small, that effort, that effort was absolutely great. And um, it benefited Peyton Barber because the, the next play, Peyton Barber took it to the end zone, jumping over the pile. So there you go. And Deshaun Jackson, um, our other receiver, three catches for 68 yards and one touchdown, which was the 60-yard bomb from Jameis. 
So we'll see. We'll see what happens with this offensive group going forward with Fitzpatrick as quarterback. Hopping into the Bengals defense, Jordan Evans had 11 tackles, one and a half sacks, and one interception off of Winston. Sean Williams had seven tackles and one interception. Every time I turned around, I could have swore I heard the announcer saying Sean Williams' name, whether it was in coverage or tackling. Preston Brown had seven tackles and one interception. Jesse Bates had six tackles and one interception. And Carlos Dunlap had five tackles, including two sacks. I mentioned it in the preview podcast. Carlos Dunlap was going to be a name to watch. And he, he delivered. He delivered. He he stepped up to the plate for them in terms of getting to the quarterback. I believe that they had six sacks on the day, which is a big no-no for our offensive line. That's another thing that our quarterbacks need to see is our offensive line just gives up in pass protection sometimes. It's like um, DeMar Dotson, uh, those right guards that will not be named – Donovan Smith sometimes after three seconds of pass blocking they just stand there and let their guy go to the quarterback and it's like continue through the play until you see the ball is released continue through the play offense has so many plays that requires a a five seven step drop back in time in the pocket so you know they they're they're really asked to do a lot um in our offensive line but that's what you practice for so you got to continue as you said you got to play through until you see or have a feeling that ball is released from the quarterback and continue to block your ass off for 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 the team. Mhm. Absolutely. You need to continue to block until the play is 100% over. Now we're done talking about the Bengals defense. Hop into their offense. Andy Dalton in the first half looked like Joe Montana, the way he was tearing apart our defense. Like I mentioned earlier, our defense in the first half um, doesn't come to play. And in the second half, all of a sudden, they start to play. And then it seems like it's too late. Andy Dalton on the day was 21 for 34 for 280 yards and two touchdowns. On paper, 280 yards, um, the defense holding him to 280 yards is good. But the way that he got it in the first half was, was not good. So that's something that we need to work on, containing the quarterbacks and making sure that they don't get the big yardage plays. Joe Mixon mm-hmm. in the first half was, was a monster. I told you, Joe Mixon, man, that, that guy was a guy to watch. 14 carries for 110 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. In the second half, he just had 13 yards rushing and seven carries. So his his total was 21 rushes for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Joe Mixon benefited my fantasy team yesterday. So that was that was good for me, but it was bad for me as a Bucks fan seeing him tear up our run defense, which was ranked sixth in the league coming into the game. I'm not sure where they're going to be ranked after this game, after the Monday Night Football game today, but... It's going to be somewhere probably still in the top 10. Tyler Boyd, somebody that we talked about on the preview podcast, nine catches for 138 yards and one touchdown. Tyler Boyd was the one who got the big plays from Andy Dalton, and I knew it was going to happen because Tyler Boyd was going to be lined up in the slot going up against a linebacker. And I even think that he went up against Vita Vea when Vita Vea dropped into coverage. I was shaking my head a little bit. Um, why is Vita in coverage? I know Vita is athletic. I know we've seen this high school tape of him playing running back. But I better not ever see him drop back into coverage 
again. <laughs> I, I don't ever want to see it again. Uh, our defensive tackles are there to stop the run and help with the pass rush, not drop into coverage. I could see a defensive end dropping into coverage because they have a little more speed, but a defensive tackle, 350 pounds, uh, backpedaling, I don't think so. So that's something that we don't need to do anymore. So <laughs> Tyler Boyd just, just took over our linebackers and our defensive tackle who was in coverage. AJ Green, AJ Green was held in check pretty much all day by Carlton Davis. He did have five catches for 76 yards and one touchdown. The one touchdown catch in, o- in overtime the, in the fourth quarter. You mean going down the middle? Oh yeah, fourth quarter. Sorry, we didn't make it overtime. Yeah. we we tried. AJ Green, AJ Green's bad. touchdown catch was not easy with Davis on him. Davis was full coverage on him, but AJ Green somehow came up with the ball in the end zone, falling. Falling backwards for the touchdown. Um, Carlton Davis, like I said in the preview podcast, he was going to be able to hold his own against A.J. Green, and he did. He did the whole game. That's why A.J. Green had had little catches for little yards. Like you said, A.J. Green had that catch in the fourth quarter that set them up to go into field goal range to win the game as time expired. But I didn't get to see who was in coverage on him right there. Yeah, I believe it was in zone. They were playing the prevent defense that we all hate. You play prevent defense, you prevent yourself from winning. That's what it is. So the prevent defense came up once again, and it cost us the game. Um, our defense, Justin Evans is is flying around the ball as the safety. He was our leading tackler with eight tackles. Levante David also had eight tackles. Levante David seems to be at the top of the stat sheet every single week, and he's he still he's still underrated as hell in this league. He's not gonna get the props that he deserves for holding down this defense. Um, I love seeing Levante as our go-to linebacker with this crew. Like I said, it it hurt that Quan went down, but the Levante and the Darius Taylor had, had solid games. Darius Taylor might not have had the amount of tackles that Levante did, but he still showed up when it counted on the um, pass breakups. He was there in coverage a few times I saw him making plays in coverage. And then shout-out to Jason Pierre-Paul. He had three tackles on the day, but two of them were sacks. So now he has eight sacks in seven games. So shout-out to him, that 10-sack streak will be broken this season oh that's a dud deal that that's that that's a dud deal jpp shout out for him for breaking that screen it ain't even happy i'm speaking it into existence yes it will happen it will happen it'll probably happen next week in carolina to be honest that o-line's not going to be able to contain him he can probably have another multi-sack game and then cam newton's going to be sitting on his ass while jpp finally gets 10 sacks for the bucks for sure for sure yeah jpp has been on a roll um, the energy that he brings, he plays full speed. He not only rushes the passer, but he's also a big help in run support. They got gashed in that first half, but you saw in the second half how they just turned it around, uh, where they were able to 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 slow down that Bengals offense. It's just a tough task um, to make a comeback from being down that much um, within that game. So, but I, I I fully expect them to be on their game facing Cam Newton because they're going to learn to run a lot of misdirection. They do a lot of gadget plays, a lot of option plays. 
They're going to yeah. do RPO. They're going to run pass option right there. They got a big 6'5 quarterback who can run, but who can also launch the ball down the field. So you're going to have to watch out for everything that they pull on us. And then they got a shifty, quick, white running back that, that could take advantage of us, both pass catching and running the ball. So we got to look out for that. For sure. We definitely have to look. And they have, they have a couple other guys who could uh, who can make plays as well. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see this game uh, next week. But we'll talk about on, on the preview podcast. We'll go into special teams. But no, before we go into special teams, actually, let me uh, talk about the defense real fast. We have injuries that are plaguing this defense. Vita Vea, Dirk Cutter said that he got injured on the first play of the fourth quarter. Nobody knew about it. The Tampa media didn't know. Um, the fans didn't know until Adam Schefter reported and Ian Rappaport reported that he had an MRI today and it came back negative, which was the first positive MRI ever. Uh, the Buccaneers feared that he had a torn ACL. Cutter said that he was walking around the building great, so he's optimistic that he'll be able to play against the Panthers. And MJ Stewart went down in the fourth quarter with a foot injury, and it looks like he has a cast on his foot, so he's going to be missing some time as well. So this defense right now is being plagued with injuries, so the players that we have backing up our starters are going to have to come in and play big minutes this hey, week. Hey, next, next man up mentality. <laughs> Because um, once you look at the injury report for the Bengals, that thing was longer than train smoke. And we only had like four players on our injury report. So it's just next man up. Um, people got to come in, be professional, and do their job. They had all those injuries. And guess what? They still won the game. So we got to go into the Carolina game. Whoever's going to be in the game, make plays, do your job while you're in the game. So that's hopefully we can get some guys back healthy. If not... We got to roll what we got. We got to scheme around it, and we got to do whatever it takes to go out there and get a W. Yeah, we do. And now hopping into special teams, your favorite person, Chandler Can't Kick Zaro, um, put us in a bind. Put us in a bind already in the first quarter once again with a missed extra point. He went two for two on field goals and two of three on extra point. The Buccaneers worked out kickers last week. Um, fans are looking for him to be replaced because he cannot make an extra point to save his life. Um, I made a joke about it on Twitter. Roberto Aguayo made more extra points than Chandler Catanzaro has, which is sad to most fans. But to me, I know the type of kicker that Roberto Aguayo truly is as I watched him at FSU, and he was making every single kick that he put up. So this Chandler Catanzaro controversy at kicker, may come to an end sooner than later. Nobody has reported anything on the kicking situation just yet. But like I said, they worked out two kickers last week, including Cairo Santos, who could be a possible re- replacement for Chandler Catanzaro. I hope so, because he should have been gone like yesterday. I- I'm so sick of him coming out, and we get a nice play to try and get back in it. He comes out for the extra point. Miss. Like, sir. Missed the extra point after the long 60-yard touchdown. To make an extra point. we can, And you can put the ball on any side of the hatch that you feel comfortable to kick said extra point. And you still miss? Come on, man. We, we can't have this no more. We need a new kicker in here ASAP. I don't care. We got to get two kickers. Get a specialist for extra point. Get the specialist for field goals. Whatever it takes, whatever we got to do, Jason Light needs to make it happen because... If I see one more missed extra point. It's it's not pretty. 
And it's not even like it was a bad hole. It's not even like somebody tipped it or blocked it. He yeah. just thought I missed it. He missed it, which is unfortunate. And that's the frustrating part about it. But like we said, we need to figure out this kicking situation and we need to figure it out fast because it's costing us points, crucial points actually, because if he makes that, then we don't have to go for two at the end of the fourth quarter to tie the game. We can just kick a extra point with him, which even with that, like we've talked about, we wouldn't be confident with. So who he just needs to do his job you have one job and that's to put the ball through the uprights so do your job um randy bullock on the other side only kicked one field goal which was the game winning field goal that field goal was moved up five yards because of a delay of game penalty on a darius taylor dirk cutter said that they didn't hear the whistle blow so darius taylor grabbed the ball when the referees threw the flag so i'm not exactly sure what happened there but it gave randy bullock a chip shot pretty much as he's a veteran kicker and knows how to make kicks in the clutch to make that game winner on us and he went four for five on extra points he also had a missed extra point that came back to bite them for us getting our points but that really didn't impact the game as much as Catanzaro's kick did yeah, every time he, he misses one, it always impacts the game because it's always a miss early. Like, we, what? We're trying to get momentum. We're excited. We just scored, and here you come spoiling the party. Yep, we're trying to get the momentum, and we cannot, which is which is frustrating to us Bucks fans because we have this kicking curse. So it needs to get fixed, like we said, and it needs to get fixed fast. Completely agree. Completely agree. And on that note, and we're going to wrap up the Bengals recap edition of the All Things Bucks podcast. Make sure you go ahead and follow All Things Bucks on Twitter at All Things TB Bucks. Go ahead and follow our podcast page on Twitter at ATB Podcast underscore. Go ahead and follow my fellow co host CJ on Twitter at CoreyJ863. And go ahead and follow myself on Twitter at Corey underscore Hayes407. That's all. Go Bucks. Go Bucks, baby.